Welcome into the Train With The Best podcast. We are back. I'm Craig Hoffman, and typically we do a year-end mailbag. Chris and I have done it the last couple of years. By the way, Chris uh, is, is doing real well and is, is excited to get back to the pod probably at the start of February. So uh, we have another month of guest hosts, and w- with that year-end mailbag, uh, we were all set to have Natalie Collars, who is a performance specialist at Exos. She's been on the pod before as well to talk about her amazing food blog. Uh, as she's a chef and uh, just a you know, she makes delicious things. Uh, Chef Nat's Kitchen. Uh, you can check that out on her Instagram or just go straight to chefnatskitchen.com. And anyway, the point is uh, that Rachel and I got the Rona. So COVID hit us and we had to delay the mailbag uh, episode. But Nat has been a saint and patiently waiting. And now uh, as she's back refreshed off of her vacation out in Colorado, uh, we are ready to do this. So Nat, welcome finally to the much overdue year end slash year start mailbag podcast. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. We've got some really fun questions to answer, I think, today. So I think it should be fun. Uh, Shout out to your Instagram followers who hooked us up with some phenomenal questions. If you want Nat on Instagram, it's at Natalie Collars. So let's just dive right in. Uh, First question. Let's do it. What do you focus on training in young athletes? And is age a limiting factor for style of training? Yeah. Um, I think for youth athletes, the biggest thing to keep in mind is that we like anyone, but probably more importantly for them need to keep it really fun and engaging. Um, a lot of competition game based training is likely going to be very beneficial for them. Um, I try to use analogies that they can relate to, uh, that is probably getting increasingly harder as I get older, because I feel like I'm disconnected to that now. Download TikTok um, now. But- Yeah, exactly. Um, Does this have to be a 10 second clip? Um, But yeah, finding analogies and stories and things that are relatable to them when teaching them anything in training is really important. Playing games with them, um, keeping it light and fun, first and foremost. Um, And then although we know that speed and change of direction and flexibility and all those types of things are Um, really advantageous to train at a young age in terms of like long-term athlete development. Uh, They're often not strong enough yet to really see a huge change in some of those qualities if we don't spend an adequate time focusing on strength in the weight room um, or out on the field. I mean, it doesn't need to be heavy weights by any means at that age. Um, but having an impact on their strength qualities or strength ability um, likely has the biggest carryover or may move the needle the most for them. Um, so whether it's body weight or a very light implement, a weight vest, something like that, if you can groove movement patterns, use isometrics and eccentrics, um, teach them to control their own body weight from a strength standpoint, alongside the speed, um, and agility and change of direction, you'll likely, yeah, see the most change and move the needle the most. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I think the movement competency and like the movement efficiency is the best, like that's your obvious biggest chance, right? Cause you're, you get these kids that are like just floppy everywhere and they have no body control. Yes. So if you can teach them body control, that's step one. And then step two, you don't need a lot of stimulus because they've never had any in their life. So if you put 
Correct. that super light stimulus or like you said the control element like the stimulus can be a slow eccentric rep or a slow concentric rep where they really have to focus on the technicalities of it but if you can make it a competition like you can do slow eccentrics and say last one down's a rotten egg and you know all of a sudden i don't know now, I, I felt like when i just said that i was 152 years old Last one down's a rotten. <laughs> this is what egg. I mean. Like, this is what I mean. The analogies la- and the relatability. Yeah, like this. Right? Does anyone say that anymore? I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. I don't know. But the the point is, uh, if you make it fun and competitive, and you use the stimulus that you need, which isn't going to be much, you can make a huge effective uh, or have a huge effectiveness on kids for sure. The other thing too that I think about with anybody that's a sport athlete with a younger training age is like, how do you train the decision-making elements? And that's obviously really easy to gamify, um, and can be really effective too. Um, it's just like little things on drilling in good, like really honestly, almost subconsciously drilling in good habits, right? Like, I think of soccer players all the time. And when I do speed and agility work with them and if, if they're going to do certain steps, I'm like, all right, make sure you check your shoulder first. Like, cause you, if you Absolutely. ever go to a, a soccer practice, you know, that's you're here coaches and passing boxes and every freaking drill that they do like, Hey, check your shoulder, check your shoulder, check your shoulder at the professional level. So if you hear that at the professional level and you can get a kid who's eight to start developing that habit, like if there's little technical things that you know about the sport that you can add in, um, and, and, groove good patterns beyond just like, that's a good squat pattern that could probably be really helpful for them in the long term as well. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Keeping them engaged and having fun with them, um, and introducing them to a positive training environment. is so important. Um, along with, yeah, everything that you just mentioned for sure. All right. Uh, next one as a former pro athlete should training and fueling in post-career look the same. I'll take a shot at this one first. Uh, no, um, the (laughs) demands, like the demands on your body to perform at a hyper elite level, the the best of the best as a pro athlete, I, I, as an everyday non-pro athlete don't run into those ever. So the, the fuel that you need, the strength that you need, all that kind of stuff. And it's a chance to, to also round out your, like, I would look at it honestly as an opportunity to be like, I don't have to be so singularly focused on being the best wide receiver, linebacker, center forward, swimmer, whatever is possible. And I can just be a healthy moving human being. And maybe some sacrifices that you've had to make, you don't have to make those anymore. Um, I would honestly, that's how I would look at it as an opportunity to be like, sweet. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that the shift into longevity and general health um, is probably a welcomed change for so many of them. I think that it's important to stay active with something that they enjoy, something that's different that they enjoy uh, so that they don't get out of the routine of being active. You know, you do unfortunately see those athletes that you know, they, they want the change. And then instead of staying active and doing something post-career, they go too far the other way and are sedentary for a while. And then it becomes harder for them to come back. But, um, yeah, welcoming a new activity, something that maybe is still competitive, but picking up a new skill, um, I think is such an important transition for them, for sure. We talked to uh, to Nick Simmons about this a couple of podcasts ago. He's gone from being an, an 800 meter runner, like how fast can I run two laps around the track to like, he does CrossFit now. And like, it's CrossFit my favorite thing, 
No, but it's something that scratches his competitive itch and that keeps him moving and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of Absolutely. like sprint athletes all of a sudden are like, I'm going to try marathons or half marathons or distance runners. Like if you can find a new goal oriented task that often does scratch an itch that a lot of athletes have. Um, but yes. the, the need to do that at that elite of a level, um, is just not going to exist in your day to day life. Um, there are other things that are going to exist, but not that. Um, yeah. All right, next question. Uh, I thought this was an interesting one. Um, as, as two trainers that have both worked with a lot of younger athletes, what are traits that you consistently see in elite athletes from junior to pro? Yeah, do you want me to start with this one? Yeah, I'll let you stab at this one first. Yeah, um, I think the biggest difference that I see, um, or, or not the difference, I guess, but the traits that I consistently see are that they just own all aspects of the process. Um, whether it's showing up early, um, how they approach their recovery, how they approach training, the questions that they ask, they want to know the why behind everything. Um, they have a mentality of what can I do? How can I do more, you know, within reason, hopefully for the most part, but right. And sometimes, sometimes it's our job to be like, nothing, you can chill the out. Totally, totally. Um, but for the most part, it's like, they want more, um, rather than the, like, can I do less mentality? Um, I think that they're the hungriest athletes and they're the athletes that just want to be the best at everything. Like if there is a competition, they want to win, even if it has nothing to do with their sport. If it's like a meaningless, um, I do a competition kind of like, a an activation competition thing at the beginning of some sessions, just in a bear crawl position partnered up with yoga blocks on their backs. And like, if you and I are partners, I'm trying to keep my yoga block on while I knock yours off. And oh, I'd be so bad at that. I, you'd be like, you'd look <laughs> at me and my block would fall off. Be like, oh man, I lost. Oh, you gotta give I gotta, I gotta credit. want it more. I mean, that's why I'm not. You gotta give <laughs> that's why I had such an easy time answering the last win, question. Craig. Yeah. You got to want to win. Um, but yeah, obviously it doesn't look like pretty, you know, anyone's sport. I don't think, I mean, gosh, maybe closest to wrestling for goodness sakes, but, um, you know, the best athletes, like they want to win that if it's a minivan activation, like minivan grab and it's partnered up or they're partnered up, um, they want to win, you know, they just have that elite mentality in all aspects of what they do. They want to eat right. Um, they want to show up early. They want to do more. They ask the right questions. They're passionate about the little things. I think that's another big one too. Yeah. I do think that you get into issue like th- that could be an entire podcast in itself on like getting into issues of like burnout and some of the things that are side effects of some of those traits. Um, you know, learning balance is really important. That's how you get all the way up to the pro level. But I mean, even a lot of young professionals are in the kind of that grind mode. They don't have families. They, they're just so can, they actually have the ability to focus once they're out of school, especially on the yes. singular task. Um, the other thing that I'll say, the other trait that I see is like, they're the smartest athletes. And I think of not only my career as a trainer here, but like my career as a sports reporter, the best players are the smartest players. LeBron James is a physical freak who is six foot nine and 240 or 60, or at times in his career, 80 pounds. Um, and like yes. it runs a four, four and has a 40 plus inch vertical and like is the most like freaky physical specimen of all time. But there, that in itself would not make him what he's been as a basketball player. He is the smartest guy on the floor and 
every single guy he's played with or against will tell you that he's the smartest guy on the floor. You know, your Peyton Manning, your Tom Brady's at the quarterback position, a lot of your, you know, your Ray Lewis's and guys like that at the linebacker position, like the best players at every position in every sport that are decision-making sports anyway, um, are the smartest players because if you like, you can make up for a lack of physical traits with decision-making um, you can make up for a lack of decision making with physical traits if you're truly, truly elite. Like there are guys that are just like four, two, five fast, and they're not that you know intellectually you know gifted on the field, and they'll survive. They'll be okay. But the the way that you're the most elite, the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan, the pick your your you know pick your athlete is you're both. And so that, yeah. that is the trait that if you can train decision-making, you can have that thirst for knowledge about your sport um, and understanding schemes and, and X's and O's and all that kind of stuff. And also like being a good teammate and just all that stuff plays into it. The smartest players are the ones that ultimately are going to be the super elites on top of having elite physical traits. Um, yeah, all right. I agree. What, uh, I'll tackle this one first. Uh, do you recommend full body or split workouts? And my answer ready for this is yes. Uh, it just depends on what your goals are. Like I, I've been doing a lot of full body. Um, I think it depends on like how often you're training. It depends on what you're like, are you in it for hypertrophy? Are you in it for max strength? Are you in it just to move and feel good? Are you like, are you, are you okay with being really sore? Are you definitely not wanting to be sore? Like there, there's just too many factors to, to where this is why, like at the end of the day, we are personal trainers or, you know, group trainers, like we're able to give goals based off or give workout recommendations based off individual goals. And to try to answer this on a macro level, again, is like an entire podcast length discussion of what's best for each particular scenario. But what about this? What about that? So, uh, it just depends right. on your goals. Yep. Agree. I would say in general, if you're fairly new to training, more of a total body, you know, if you're in a max strength phase, gosh, your body's going to definitely want the time off after not see a lower body lift again for a little while. So probably, you know, lower, lower upper. So yeah, I agree with everything that you said it like everything in our field. It depends. Right. Right. Uh, there's a lot of options, which is good. Like, I mean, even right now, clients that I have on more like split workouts, they were out for Christmas or out for the holidays or whatever. And it's like, Hey, let's do a full body week to reacclimate yourself so that you don't hate me for the next four days. Like there's even right. pl- places within a, a full body program for uh split workouts. There's places in split workouts for full body. Like you gotta, you gotta have the, like the, the thing I always try to, to tell when I'm in mentoring mode or podcast host mode or whatever is like, is it the right workout for the right athlete on the right day? And so, um, that's all going to be part of their, their larger program, but there, there's places for, for both for sure. Um, I love this question. I'll let you go first on this one from a coaching perspective. What is the one thing, you know, now, but didn't five years ago? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Gosh. The fact that it says, what is one thing (laughs) I feel like, thankfully, um, you know, through working with so many great coaches and athletes and, trying to learn from as many people as I can. I, yeah, I thankfully know a lot now that I didn't know then. Sometimes I look back at what I did and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Same. same. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I'd say, so a few things, number one, that less is more, um, at Exos, we have an amazing training system. There's eight components to it. 
one thing that I always have admired about Exos and still do today is that we're, they, we are so organized um, and systematized. Everything has a place um, within each of the components and you know, it, it helps us teach interns, which I'm actually just in the um, process of onboarding our new interns this week, which is always so fun. Um, yes. But whether it's teaching it to a new intern or, you know, going through a checklist for myself while programming for an athlete or athletes, um, it's so nice to have that system in place. That being said, um, as a younger coach, I used to try to fit everything or nearly everything into majority of my sessions. And I basically just realized like, this is a toolbox that you use. You don't need to put, um, you know, everything into one session. Let's look at the week. Let's look at the phase, um, and figure out which of those puzzle pieces best fit or best get you to your goal. Um, and then within that, there's so much more, carryover of athletic qualities than I originally thought, or I originally saw. So even during a max strength phase, um, or if you have some max strength in your phase, if you're doing more of a conjugate or undulating or something like that, um, you're still going to see some hypertrophic benefits or some, you know, um, other qualities, if the fueling is right and things like that. So Mm -hmm. even though you're working on maybe max strength as your main goal, you're going to see development in other areas. Um, you know, there's carryover from med ball to sprinting that I didn't necessarily connect the dots as early as I probably should have, you know? Right. Um, and so there, I cannot tell you how often I do something and like, I'm like, yeah, this connects to this. And it's like, I figured that out 14 seconds earlier as someone was doing the exercise. I'm like, I knew this was important and I thought I was doing this, but I didn't realize it was also doing that. That's cool. I, I'm going right. to sound really smart right. when I tell them this thing that I just figured out because I just connected the dots right. 22 seconds ago. Right, right. And then always asking yourself too, um, I ask myself this way more often than I used to of... Like I need, you need to remember to keep the main thing, the main thing, like, am, is the stimulus that I'm providing, creating the adaptation that I'm setting out to create, you know, and sometimes you can sway too far from that. And you truly do need to, again, ask yourself like, okay, what is the main goal? What is the adaptation? And does this stimulus best achieve that? Um, yeah, I think that's another one for sure. Yeah, keep the main thing. The main thing is like legitimately when Chris and I do our mentoring stuff and like we go out and, you know, we like we did our program, our corporate program with Solid Core and we're working on some other stuff. And like that is literally one of like the main title slides um, in that exact phrasing. A hundred percent is a huge thing that I, I like I knew it all along, but I think the ways I communicate it now are so much more clear. Um, and, and I think that that is, is, is been essential to being, uh, successful. I think, you know, the less is more part to me is also one that I like is always kind of my go-to in this, this type of answer, um, or this type of question. Um, because I think as a trainer, you like only know so much when you start and you do super basic stuff and you're focused on like different planes of motion and, and you know, a little bit of variation in rep ranges and things like that. And then you learn a bunch of new stuff as you do continuing education and you learn cool tricks and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, you always have that recency bias of like, I got to do this thing I just learned. It's so cool. And then yes. the longer you get into it, the more you wind up back at the stuff that you started with and you just know how to use it so much better. And yep. yet 
you know, it's and to the point that sometimes I'm like, am I creative enough? Do I give my clients enough stuff? Like, are they going to stay right. stimulated? But my client retention rates really high. So I'm probably okay. Like you don't have to, you don't have to do crazy shit to keep clients engaged. Like if you do the basics right. and they see the, the, the growth in the areas that they want to get stronger, bigger, faster, whatever, you know, whatever that goal that they've set out is, you're going to keep your clients. They're going to be happy. Everybody's, everybody's in a great spot. So I think yeah. those are, those are definitely the ones that I go to is like, less is more. And by the other thing too, with less is more like even within sessions, like I put such a ridiculous quality or, or emphasis on quality over quantity. I think there's a, like, there's a benefit to just like, yeah, I'm gonna throw the kitchen sink at them some days. And I think a lot of trainers like get some level of results. Cause they do that. And I'm like, yeah, of course you got whatever thing. Like you did a thousand lunges and like, how do you feel after? And there's damage that's being done. That's going to eventually come back to bite you in the long term. And I, I actually really learned this when I went down to Tampa, probably 2017, 2018 and shadowed a couple sessions that our friend, yo Murphy did down there and yeah. saw with pr- legit, like professional athletes, like MLB, he had an NFL guy and an MLB guy going in a, in two different sessions at once. It was actually one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It was so impressive, but like awesome. they almost like, I think one, I think the MLB guy eventually touched some weights in the session, but the, the NFL guy was like all footwork, all movement quality, all stability. And I'm like, oh, if he can be an NFL athlete and have that little, again, stimulus, I guess, in terms of like weights, that should tell me something. And of course, the way I'm going to train a professional athlete who's competent at an NFL level versus a gen pop person is very different, but you don't need a million reps. You don't need to just do everything, do the stuff that you do really, really well. And I think I have simplified and scaled back over the years and my programming looks in ways similar that it did five years ago, but the, the thought that goes into that and the way it's executed is very different. Right. Yep. I agree with everything that you just said. And I think that simplicity and consistency are king, you know, Mm -hmm. like being as simple and, um, you know, thoughtful, not just simple for the sake of being simple, but again, coming back to, is this stimulus achieving the adaptation that I'm trying to achieve? And if it is, and it's simple and you, even if you've been doing it, you know, for quite a while, just because you've been back squatting doesn't mean you can't continue to back squat if it's working. So hundred percent, hundred percent. And by the way, their back squat will get better. So that's nice. People are like, Oh, look, I can squat more now. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Super Coffee. And Super Coffee is a part of my routine. Every single day, whether I'm running out the door quickly and got to just grab a ready-to-drink, regular old original Super Coffee, or whether I'm doing what I've been doing lately, where I've had a few more free mornings and I just sit down, I use my little pour-over situation, put some grounds in and make myself a nice, fresh, hot cup of coffee in the morning. Those grounds, super coffee grounds. And by the way, how do I flavor my coffee? Super creamer. So no matter how I start my day, super coffee is always a part of it, which means I need a steady supply, which is why I have a subscription order going at drinksupercoffee.com. Do you know you could save up to 30%, 30% on super coffee? So your coffee is a part of your day. You need that steady supply. You might as well get it. And especially if it's super coffee, it's healthy and it's nutritious. It's, it's all of these things get it at a discount. If you want to give it a shot, go to drinksupercoffee.com, 
Use the code train with the best. Get 25% off your first order. You like it? Then go back to drinksupercoffee.com. Sign up for that subscription. It's up to 30% off their New Year subscriber promotion. It's right now at drinksupercoffee.com. The code is train with the best. All right, continuing on, and I'm pretty excited about this. Into Chef Nat's kitchen we go. Here we go. How do you get lots of protein when you don't like to cook? Yeah, such a good question and something that I think people may struggle with from a nutrition or fueling standpoint the most. Um, you know, carbohydrates are easy to get, right? You don't have to cook them for the most part. Um, yeah, go take a piece, a piece of bread of and bread shove it in your crackers. mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, whereas protein takes a little bit more planning and cooking likely, um, and they're harder to get when you're just like out, you know, you can't just pull up to, I don't know, hopefully you're not getting your food from a gas station unless you absolutely have to, but it's just harder to get. Um, anyways, to answer the question, I love the slow cooker. I'm a big fan of making a big batch of shredded chicken in there. You literally just put in chicken breast water or um broth and then some seasonings let it cook shred it with two forks and you can put it in anything salad sandwiches um eat it on its own put it in a stir fry whatever it may be um my other new well maybe not new now i think i've used it every day since i've gotten it is the air fryer um, <laughs> oh, the air fryer is the best it's yes, so good right it's so good it, it could not be easier i mean i'll put a salmon fillet in there with just olive oil, salt and pepper. And it's done in seven minutes. Like, mm -hmm. it's just the craziest thing. Um, no prep time, no heating it up. You literally just put it in there and it's done. Um, speaking of salmon, another one I love smoked salmon. I know people may not be a fish, you know, fan of fish, but if you are smoked salmon, it's already cooked, easy to take on the go with you. Um, sushi grade seafood. So whether it's salmon or um, ahi tuna or whatever it may be, can go in a poke bowl or a salad. You know, it's, it's always nice to just take out steps and not have to like monitor something. And so if something doesn't have to be cooked, I feel like that's so easy as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are my go-tos, honestly, in addition to like, you know, the beef jerkies and canned tuna and whatever it may be, but something that's a little bit more fresh. Um, those are my go-tos. And then just as a reminder to all the listeners out there that peanut butter is not a source of protein. Yes. There's protein in it. It is not going to be a good source of protein in terms of like, yes. that's not the primary nutrient in it. Um, I will, I say, will never forget. Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like this is a funny story. Say, I, Insert funny I story mean, here. Yes. Right. The number of times I've heard people say, you know, when I ask them about their protein, intake. Oh yeah, it's great. You know, perfect. That sounds good. What do you, you know, what are your main sources of protein? And the first thing out of their mouth is nuts or peanut butter or whatever it may be. And I'm like, goodness, you, you honestly have to eat nearly 3000 calories of peanut butter to get not 3000. That's probably an exaggeration. 1500 calories um, of peanut butter to get any good amount of protein. Um, and so, yeah, that's a whole other store or you know, thing to get into. We don't need to dive too deep into nutrition today, but, um, there's just a lot of misinformation out there still, unfortunately. So yeah, yes, definitely. PSA um, peanut butter is not perfect. <laughs> PSA. Uh, there's a bunch of great recipes at chef Nat's kitchen.com. 
Um, and all I, high in protein. Yes, all high in protein. And what I actually genuinely appreciate about your site and like the the way that you approach at least at least the food blogging that you do. I don't know if this is how you approach, but I think based off like your Instagram and like the behind the scenes that you give, like this is genuinely how you eat as well. Is like you do yes. a lot of batch cooking which is great. Yes. And like a lot of stuff that's like one pot. So it's, you know, you, you cook it and then maybe you even stick the entire pot in the refrigerator afterwards, like eat, eat the first batch fresh. And then no, you don't like, no, you, you cannot put a pot. Okay. You can't, we if, if you let it cool off. Yeah, yeah. No, you no. Why not? We do it all the time. You are the meme. Craig, you are the meme that the wife asks the husband to put something away in the fridge and it's the entire pot. Uh, my future, my future wife uh, does this as well. So, cause like it's Which already in the pot. Okay. It's no already judgment. in the pot. Why would you create another, another piece of Tupperware? Okay, fine. Take it out of the pot, put it in Tupperware, go <laughs> clean the pot, put the pot back. Fine. Whatever it is. But the point is that you make a lot of food at once and it's ready. And then you just can reheat it in, you know, whether it's in the microwave or um, if you want to put it back on the stove or depending on what it is, you know, whatever. Air fryer is great to reheat stuff depending on what it is. Um, And I think that's great. I will also, I'm just going to do this now as opposed to like doing an ad break and talking about, you know, one of our sponsors that is amongst other things, a protein company. But also if you're realistic and depending on your protein needs and you don't get enough in your diet for whatever reason. Um, you know, it's yeah. a little harder cause you're vegan vegetarian, um, and, and you're tired of soy or tofu or whatever. Um, you yeah. just like, you get full fast off of, you know, your typical proteins, you prefer smaller, whatever it is. I, I am not a dietitian, but we can answer the question, right? Yep. If you need to supplement, there are good options out there. And so like Absolutely. for us, we, we promote momentous because that is an extremely high quality supplement that is tested at the absolute highest levels. And the biggest thing that I will always remember from when we had their founder, Matt Wan, on the podcast, like at this point, a hundred episodes ago, when we started the partnership with them is he made, like drove home really that the higher quality proteins are worth it to pay for because you're going to get more out of them. Because every, like, a scoop of protein right. that's 20 grams is not going to wind up being in your body the same. The absorption rates in the higher quality proteins, including Momentus, are significantly higher. In the same way that you put really good gas in a Ferrari, like you put the 93 right. in the Ferrari, like, the Momentus is the 93. Like, there's a reason. It will run better. You, you, you have less of the additives. You, it's built to absorb better. And so that is something that's always stuck with me is we treat a lot of supplements. And this was Matt's exact phrasing. We treat a lot of supplements like commodities and they're not. It's things we're putting in our body. Like it's not a commodity. It's not a thing to get the best value for. Uh, It's a thing to like do well and intake well. So just like you might try to eat whole foods, you might try to not eat processed this, you know, GMO that, whatever it is that the stylistic or dietary choices that you're making, those should apply. And even just like on a basic level, Hey, we want to put high quality stuff in our body. Like that's, that goes across any diet that should continue into your supplement supplementation. And so we use momentous. Um, if you go to yep. momentous.com, use the code train with the best 25, like it's 25% off your first order and a subscription, 15% off all the refills. So like that's an ad that we do in every single podcast that except for this one, cause I'm just going to count this as the ad and check the box, but it's also a product. Like literally I use momentous protein every single day because it is really hard 
for the, the caloric needs that I have, which are fairly high when I'm being very active to get the amount that I need. I have to eat a lot of chicken, steak, fish, whatever it is. And you know, eggs, whatever it is. And it's just yep. to, to get a nice little boost with a shake means I don't have to stuff myself with, with whole foods. And it just makes my day a little bit easier. So, yeah. And I think that it's so, what's so nice about protein powders like that is that you can take them on the go with you, right? Yes. They don't need to be refrigerated. You can put them in a blender bottle. You can add water, shake it up and you're good to go. So it couldn't be more convenient for sure. All right. Uh, what inspired you to get into the strength and conditioning world? And then what advice do you have? I'm this, I'll leave that this part to you, especially for females looking to get into the field. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. What inspired me to get into the field? Uh, when I went to college, I knew I wanted to study kinesiology. Um, was super passionate about that, but had no idea what I wanted to do. I played college soccer and in my second after actually just after the first off season of uh, like off season training with our strength and conditioning coach, the strength and conditioning coordinator, I owe so much to him. His name is Steve Lidstone, just an amazing guy. Um, he just approached me and said, is this something that you think that you may be interested in doing as a career? And I was like, I honestly had not even thought about it. Um, so I started to volunteer and then eventually got a, a, a small part-time role, um, in our strength and conditioning program. But what I began to realize is number one, going through a proper periodized strength and conditioning program for the first time in college, cause I had never done that before. I was just absolutely blown away and fascinated by what adaptations or changes your body can actually make. Like I just remember thinking, oh my God, I can't believe that I was picking up 25 pound dumbbells and now I'm using 55s or whatever it is. And it's only 12 weeks later. You know how it is when you're completely untrained. Right. Um, right. And just being like, what? Like, I just, I, I literally physically didn't think that this was possible. So just being fascinated with that. Um, and then it brought together my competitive side, my athletic side, the part of me that loves people and is fascinated with communication and building relationships and things like that. Um, and so all of those came together and very quickly I was like, this is, I truly think this is what I, you know, meant to, meant to do. So that's how I initially got into it. For me, it was out of necessity uh, because I had moved to D.C. And by the way, if you want a fuller version of Nat's story, um, we did a podcast. God, it was like two, three years ago at this point, probably. Um, we were sitting in one of the offices at Exos in Phoenix. Um, you remember know. that? That was yes. That was great. It seems uh, like ages ago. Which I mean, it was 17 it was. worlds ago because it yeah. was pre-COVID. And for me, it was like when I was still on the beat doing football stuff, it was, God, that was a long time ago. But anyway, we, yes. we went through like Nat's entire life story. So uh, definitely check out that podcast. But um, for me on like the initial steps, it was out of necessity. I moved up to DC in 2015 to be the beat reporter for what was at the time ESPN 980. That station restructured after my first season. So like I move up in August and in January I get called into an office and get told that my job doesn't exist anymore. And then I was like, cool, that's, that's great. Um, and so I was job hunting in media and not finding anything. The job market was completely dry and I was running out of money. So I had always had an interest. Like I grew up in a gym. My mom worked in a gym as on like the business side growing up. And I was like, I was talking to her and she's like, well, what about, 
working at the gym. You've always kind of had an interest in now. What else are you doing right now? And so I did. I talked to uh, someone who became a mentor of mine, uh, who's the fitness director at the gym that I went to. She's like, yeah, uh, you have the communication side down clearly. So I just need to teach you how to train. That's the easy part. And so I got certified right. and started. And here we are, Jesus, six and a half years later. Um, Wild. and things are, things are going all right. Or five and a half years later, yeah. things, things are going all right. I met Chris along the way, which was super helpful. Um, Amazing. and, uh, and here we are. Um, I did not want to yeah. skip over that second, uh, that last part though. And I, I lied. Oh, I, yes. say, I want to let you go first for sure. Advice for females yeah. looking to get in the industry, but I, I do have yeah. something I want to add on the end. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, for sure. Um, gosh, so many things. The first one is that like anything and like anyone, you got to know your stuff. You got to be really good at what you do. Um, whether we like to recognize it or not, people are still in our industry more so, I suppose, on the sports performance side rather than the fitness side, especially at a very elite level. Um, guys and maybe gals even are probably not expecting social media has maybe changed this a little bit, but guys are, are not likely expecting to see a female coach. So if they, if they come to Exos say, and they're an NFL athlete in the off season and they don't have social media, which I suppose is maybe a little bit unrealistic at this point, but, um, and they walk up and they see me as the coach, they, if they don't know me, they're probably going to be somewhat surprised. Like people just in their mind still think, okay, sports performance coach, it's going to be a male. Um, not always, but quite often. Um, so just not to let young female coaches, let that deter them from it. Um, if it's not what they expected, that's totally fine. Um, I've always welcomed that challenge. Um, so yeah, in addition to, to being good, like anyone else, but you really got to know your stuff. Um, athletes can for sure sense right away, whether there's any sort of fear or, you know, whether you're unsure at all, and it's hard to come back from that. Um, further to that demonstrations, um, owning all of your demos is probably one of the best ways to win over a group of athletes, especially a large group of male athletes. Um, you know, I'm sure you can agree with this, that if you can't demonstrate, you know, a, a linear bound or some acceleration drill for them at the highest level, they're going to be like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I trying to learn how to sprint from someone that can't own this demo? Right. Um, so I've always said really that like, important. I mean, he's a male obviously, but like that's Chris's superpower. Like Chris is a super unassuming five foot nine, like Filipino dude who's now you know, almost 40 years old or might've just turned 40 years old. Sorry, Chris, if I fucked that up. Um, but, uh, <laughs> And like all of a sudden he like drops into a ready position and everyone's like, whoa, like, okay. Right. Yeah. There's, there's the athlete that, you know, was a D one athlete and, you know, used to run like a four, four. So like, yeah, but even to the left, like, I'm not that kind of athlete. Um, you know, I, if I own a demo, I see that. And definitely I think that probably is unfortunately because the patriarchy sucks, uh, more true to, to your experience as well. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, like anyone that if an athlete can tell that you care about them as a human, not just as an athlete, but as a human, um, you know, and if it comes from a genuine place, uh, they don't care who you are. They don't care if you're male, female, um, you know, if you're good at what you do, if you're invested in them, if you're genuine in your intent, 
if you care about them both on the field and off the field or in the weight room and outside of the weight room, um, again, they don't care if you can, if you can show them and prove to them, um, you know, as quickly as possible that you have the abilities to lead them, um, on the right path and to help them achieve their goals, they, they don't care. Um, I would say that one thing that is, you know, probably goes without saying, but you always have to conduct yourself in a professional manner. Um, the way that you approach speaking to everyone, again, especially if it's, you know, um, a a female to a male, um, how you speak to them, how you conduct yourself, what you wear, um, you know, they can also tell the, the ones that are there for the wrong reasons. And so, you know, I pray to God that they're not, cause I feel like those people just get in our way. Um, but they can tell, you know, you need to be there for the right reasons. You need to care about them. And overall, you just need to be really freaking good. Yeah. I mean, I think that all of those things are on some level true across gender. What's because uh-huh. of patriarchal misogynistic, just ridiculous reasons. They are all enforced on females at a significantly higher degree. Like if you're a dude, you better not be there for the wrong reasons. Like you better not be there. So you can of say like, like, I'm here to take selfies with professional athlete X. Like th- those guys will hate you in five seconds. Um, and they'll of know course. that you're not there for the right reasons, but you'll probably get away with it longer. If you're a dude, that's just, unfortunately, um, it sounded way too dismissive, but like that is sadly and horrendously the society in which we live. So I would say these were the two things that I was thinking about, um, to echo and really hopefully echoes everything you just said is one, please continue down this path because we need you. We need more perspectives. We need more diversity. We need, we need female coaches because there are female clients. I mean, it works on the other, the other way too, on the, the client relationship. There are a lot of female clients that don't really want a male trainer and I can't blame them. So like we need people, highly qualified people of, you know, male, female, non-binary, everything. We need everybody, um, to, to make this industry better. And I, I would say kind of is the, the combativeness or the way to combat a lot of the problems you described is like, don't take anything a male coach wouldn't take, right? Like yep. if, if, totally. if a, if a dude is creepy and he's your athlete, like call him on it. Like you're, yeah. you're an adult, you're a human being. Yep. You should demand the respect of that. So obviously there are ways to, that you can handle those things that are uh, more combative than others. Um, there might, but like, it, I would hope that you're working somewhere where if you went to a superior or wherever and was like, Hey, this, this client is a problem that you would have the support from your institution or if you're an independent trainer, like you get to make the call. Um, and so don't tolerate, don't be like, Oh, I just have to take it. Don't be happy to be there. Like if you got hired for a job, that's your job, take it seriously. And that includes not tolerating anything that a male client or a male trainer wouldn't because while I know that's easier for me to say, especially as a cisgender straight white man, um, you know, I'll, I also think that the way that the standard gets raised and that respect ultimately comes is demanding it and not tolerating anything less. Absolutely. And so yeah. um, I, I, I sincerely hope that as we continue to move forward um, and, and, you know, it, these things do progress over time, just not nearly as fast as they should, um, that, yeah. that all that stuff continues to get better, but it, it will get better, you know as Obama famously said, like the moral arc bends towards justice. Like he took the MLK quote. That is that it's like, because we bend it that way. And so be a, be a part of bending it that way. Um, totally. All right. Last, last, uh, long form, if you will, 
and then we will get into some rapid fire to, to wrap up. Um, what is actually, no, I'm going to go with this one, uh, with long-term training clients, what are some ways you keep them engaged in training? Yeah, I think it's similar to the, gosh, not even it's, I can't even say the youth athletes. It's similar to all this, this goes across all clients and athletes is to get them competing. Um, this is probably another thing that I could have added to the, what have I learned, you know, over the last five years or what do I know now compared to five years ago is that you will get so much more out of your athletes and clients. If you can get them competing, um, we'll do, you know, timed med ball throws for height. Like, you know, obviously the higher you throw it, the longer it is. Um, we'll do relay races at the end of an acceleration session. We'll do, um, you know, team competitions where we keep track of points and things like that. And rather than just having, you know, athletes run free sprints at the end of a session or run through a box drill, which there's a time and a place for all of it. Um, if you can get them competing in some fashion where you are keeping score and there's maybe even some sort of like reward or call it a punishment, whether it's like first to climb or feet or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, the level of buy-in is so much higher and that goes along with long-term training clients, whether they are, um, an elite athlete, a weekend warrior, you know, whoever they are, if you can find ways to have them compete with either themselves or someone else in a group. Um, I think that that's uh, one of the best ways to keep them engaged. Um, and then also tracking progress on things that they care about. Um, yes. you know, so I'll sometimes get clients that, you know, come in, uh, whether it's an adult client or, or whatever it may be, and you ask them their goals and they're like, well, I don't really have any. And I used to kind of just say, okay, yeah, no big deal. We'll just train. And now I really urge them, even if it takes them four, six, eight weeks, whatever it may be into training to dig a little deeper and think like, what matters to me? Is it something aesthetic? Great. Is it running a 5k in a faster time? Great. Is it, um, you know, uh, a strength number, whatever, whatever it is, we need to find one, two, three things that really matter to them and track their progress over time so that they can see, um, the progress that they've made, you know, to stay engaged. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to actually simplify this down to a really like baseline level, which is my goal in every session is for people to walk out feeling better than when they walked in. Like that could be because we did a, re a regen session or because I crushed them and they had that adrenaline hit or whatever it is, like the endorphins yeah, release, whatever it is. accomplishment. Exactly. Like who doesn't want to go to something that makes them feel good? And so totally. all of those things that you talk about can be easily folded into that of like, yeah, I set a PR on my bench press or my squat or my deadlift or whatever today. Um, but like generally like make it an enjoyable experience and let them feel success. And they're going to want to keep coming back because people like feeling good and feeling successful. So yes, no I will, doubt. I will no simplify doubt. my answer down yes. to that, that very yes, distilled thought. All right. Mm -hmm. Rapid fire time to close okay, out. Hey, let's get ready for this. Uh, I'll let you go I'm first on all this. of these and I'll just, I'll chase you behind and then follow up with the next okay. question. All right. Okay, favorite snack. Go. Greek yogurt, homemade granola, and berries. Uh, mine is an apple bowl that Rachel introduced me to. It's apples, granola, uh, like some Yum. almond butter, and honey. It's amazing. Uh, hypertrophy amazing. day or max strength day? Hypertrophy. My body is beyond the days of max strength, Craig. 
Uh, I would rather just lift heavy and do it one to three times and be done. Uh, I do not have the attention go. span for hypertrophy. Favorite exercise? Oh, you know this one. You know I what do. I'm going to say. We could say it at the same time. The barbell front rack rear foot elevated split squat. It's, it's for so sure. Good. That has everything. It, it does. has everything in it. It yeah. does. Uh, I will go say hex bar deadlift though, because just the, that feeling of like, I just lifted a lot of weight. That's fun. Yeah, like that one. All right. Uh, least Fair favorite enough. exercise. Oh my gosh. Um, any upper body, any overhead pressing. I suck. I'm so weak. <sighs> I'm trying to think. I know there is one, and I feel like I've just blocked it. I've been trying to think about this since I wrote this question down two hours ago. Like, I feel like I'm just mentally blocking something out, and I'm just gonna like tweet it out or Instagram it out. Yeah. Like I just right. did this thing that's I hate it. I feel like anaerobic conditioning because you just feel like you're gonna die. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. that's fair enough. That's not super fun. Uh, speaking of, uh, favorite cardio. Do barbell complexes count? Absolutely. It, that's a way yeah, you can do cardio. 100%. Yes. That's it, it will absolutely crush you. And it is my favorite. That is good. Um, I am a psycho. I actually love assault bikes. Like, yeah, yeah there are certain intervals, there are certain intervals that are terrible, but like that feeling of just like letting it rip for 10 seconds. I like that. Yes. Yeah, definition of psycho. <laughs> I feel like I'm probably going to be no longer welcome in my own home after that one. Uh, hex bar, straight bar. Ah, oh, straight. You know, I've never been a hex bar girl. Really? It's just not my, yeah. It's just not my jam. In fact, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I honestly, I do. I use it with my athletes and clients. It's not my thing. Okay. I obviously, as I already mentioned, love the hex bar. Yes. Uh, front squat or back squat? I mean, I probably years ago would have said back. I love the front squat now. I love it. I just, my body type, I'm able to keep a more vertical torso. I love the extra like ab or pillar work that comes with it. So currently I'd say front. I waffle on this one. I think probably front. Um, although if I'm being really honest, like heavy dumbbell split squat, uh, favorite, yeah. favorite med ball exercise. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go with the reverse granny toss for distance. You kind of feel like rip. superwoman as you're like just chucking that thing over your head. I don't have a space where I can do that. So that like wasn't even on my my radar. radar? That's, a great, yeah. that's a great answer though. Um, I, I love a, like a, a twist a twisting med ball throw. Just like let, let the yeah. hit fire, let it come through. Uh, yeah. All right. Best use. This is one that Rachel put on the list that I love. Uh, best use of a three pound weight. Oh my Lord. A doorstop. I don't know. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I don't even think, I don't even know if I've seen a three pound dumbbell. In I, I work out um, of a PT clinic, so we got it. We got them all. Yeah. Right. Um, although we do have two point, we have those 2.5 mm-hmm. bullets that we call the bullets that used to go on power blocks, like the old school power blocks. Oh, wow. And are like, you know, yep. this big around and whatever. Um, and gosh, those will crush you for like, I don't know, there's t- different terminology for everything, but like prone swimmers or like Y's, yeah. A's, C's. Yeah. I mean, if you do those for time for 30 seconds, two and a half pounds in each hand, you are crushed. So maybe I should start using three pound weights for that. There instead. you go. I was going to say upper back work, <laughs> upper back work, like external yeah. shoulder rotations yes. uh, or reverse flies. Those are my two favorite with those. Although I yes. will say my clients get way more scared when I hand them a lightweight versus a heavyweight. They're like, oh God, what crazy shit is he going to have me do now? Uh, That's how you know you're good. Love it. The one thing you wish everyone trained more. Oh my goodness. Oh, this is a hard one for me. I would say, um, 
field stuff, field work. I love and that. I know you and Rachel have been doing, you yeah. know, I, which I, I need to pick your brain on that. So it sounds so fun. And I've just seen it from a distance, but I think that there's, it's something that's ignored in a lot of populations. And I think to what you've been talking about a lot, uh, the competitive side, I think is really easy to integrate into that side of things. Um, or that style of training. And so, yeah, I wish more people got the opportunity to experience that. I agree. Uh, if you're in the Washington DC area, field day will return in the spring when it's warm out. Uh, but yeah, I, I was, you mean it's not like 75 and sunny there, Nat, we made it this far. <laughs> We've made it this far. I don't want to fight you in your Phoenix weather because I will lose. Uh, I'll tell I, so your answer actually makes, makes me change mine. I'll say what I was going to say is like foot and ankle strength. Um, I think yep. like the foot is incredibly ignored. Uh, and, and I think no that doubt. a lot of problems emanate from there, but I, I think actually more importantly, like sprinting, like how yep. many people over 25, really over 22 sprint ever. And why would we spend the last, hopefully three quarters ish, at least two thirds, um, of our lives, not running as fast as we can when we do it all the time as kids. So right. I think sprinting is hundred percent. All right. Yes. Uh, you're reincarnated as a professional athlete. What sport position are you playing or slash position are you playing? Yeah. 100% American football linebacker. By the way, That's Natalie like the- is Canadian. Hence the clarification, American football. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although as, as big, as big football fans slash soccer fans on this podcast, we approve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, yeah, linebacker. Gosh, I really can't think of a more fun position to play. Like you basically get to, this sounds horrible, but like hunt down people <laughs> in the most aggressive, but loving way. Cause you're not actually hunting them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but there's yeah, a dominant, there's like, a dominance that you're just like, yeah, yeah, I think the like strategy behind it, the like primal aspect of it is just like awesome. Uh, my answer is simply LeBron James <laughs> for like actually many of the same reasons, whatever position yes. LeBron has played. I want to be him. I want, like, I've always said if I could be one for a day, it'd be Russell Westbrook. Cause I want to like 24 year old Russell Westbrook. Cause I want to know what it's sure. like to be that explosive. But like LeBron kind of is that still at age 37. Um, yeah. he's in his 19th year. He's been in the NBA over half of his life and he's still killing people. So yeah, LeBron James. Insane. All right. Yeah. Last one. We will wrap up our year end slash oops. It's the beginning of the year podcast with this. <laughs> Uh, what's something you want to be better at by the end of this year? Yeah. Um, from a work standpoint, I would say, uh, we, we are lucky enough to get a bunch of fun sports science equipment into Exos that we're going to start using for assessment, tracking, monitoring, guiding, programming, all that. And so really just finding a way to master that side of things. Um, I was exposed to a lot of sports science at Louisville when I was doing my master's, but it's been a little bit since then that I've like had access to this style of equipment. So super excited about that. Um, and then from a personal side, if you follow me on social media, you would have probably already seen this, but my word for 2022 is being intentional in all aspects of my life. So I want to be better at that. I want to be better at being intentional, Every day when I wake up in the morning in terms of like how I spend my first 20 to 30 minutes, how I speak to people, how I show people I care about them, how I love on other people, how I donate my time, um, how I speak to myself and care for myself. So that's something that I have set out to be better at. And 
I'm going to do it, Craig. She's going to do it. She's out here keeping the main thing the main thing, you might say. Exactly. Yes. Uh, mine Let's is, one I want work-wise, I want to grow this brand. And a lot of that might not actually be public-facing. A lot of that, I, I'm hoping, is on like the mentoring and education side. Um, that is something that I think we bring to the table that we are very capable at after doing, you know, getting a little bit of a start of that in 2021. And I think that Chris and I can grow a lot in that area. And not when I say grow, like we can help the industry in, in focusing training in a lot of different places, whether it's gyms, boutique studios, whatever. So I would love to see that part grow. And then my personal is actually going to be like a training, my own personal training. Like I want to be more diligent with that. I want, I had like yeah. certain things that I've wanted to do and I wound up sacrificing them to do, you know, whether it's because of work or like just, you know, like, ah, oh, well that workout, it's easier. Why don't I just go do that? It's like, no, I want to, sure. I want to sprint more this year. I want to play a lot yep. more with like tempos and explosiveness. I felt my, my athleticism fall off the last couple of years in part because like during the pandemic, things like pick up basketball that I used to play at least once a week, like that's gone away. And so getting back to feeling like an athlete, um, not just someone yep. who lifts weights, um, which I think there is a difference. I, that's, that's kind of my, my personal goal for 2022 on the training side. So I love that's, it. uh, what is something you want to be better at by the end of the year? Being an athlete. I want to be a better athlete at the age of 32. God, that's, here we go. Um, I love this. Yes. So that's, that's it. That's the podcast. That's the mailbag. Uh, if you want to follow Natalie yes. on Instagram at Natalie Collars, Collars, K-O-L-L-A-R-S. Now, this was fantastic. Uh, thanks so much for so doing So much that. fun. Yeah, so much fun. Thanks for the invite and always fun to chat with you. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in Phoenix in just a little while. Yeah. That's an Easter egg for people that stuck around this long. Yes. Big things coming.